the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, broadcasting from my offices here in San Jose in the Cambrian Park neighborhood, if you're familiar with that neighborhood. Well, today is the day when petitions to repeal the uh, second half of Proposition 19 are due at the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association in Sacramento. I had a number of petitions picked up by people who came by my office. Hopefully uh, they were able to fill them out completely and each one of them get uh, six people uh, to sign the petitions. I was able to distribute about 45 petitions that way, so uh, hopefully uh, those went in. We should know in the upcoming uh, days, maybe week, a couple weeks or so, whether or not they got sufficient registered voters' signatures on the petitions, um, the petitions to actually get it on the November ballot for the voters to vote to repeal the obnoxious section of Proposition 19. Um, I'm not going to spend any more time on that today other than to say hopefully it will get on the uh, it will get on the ballot and uh, the people that work to get on the ballot the first time around will not be allowed to get away with lying about it this time uh, because now more people know the truth and they know the reality of what was done to the people in this state that are homeowners. Um, go to the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association if you want to, more information about just what I'm talking about. I want to let you all know that um, my next estate planning workshop is tomorrow morning, starting at about 9 o'clock at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue near Lee Avenue in San Jose. It's roughly... a uh, a um, quarter mile or so from my office here in San Jose. I still have space available in that workshop. I just checked out of the 30 spaces I have available, 21 have been taken. So there's still nine slots left. If you want to be assured that you'll be able to get into the workshop, I suggest you go to eventbrite.com, search for estate planning workshop for April 23rd, or go to my website at lawbob.com and click on the menu item for seminars and workshops, and then you'll see a page that describes what the workshop's about, 
and then a button you can click that will take you to Eventbrite so you can register. You can register for more than one person at a time, um, meaning more than one ticket at a time. So if you're coming with a spouse or significant other or coming as a family, it just takes one of you to register for uh, multiple tickets. There's no charge for this workshop. And uh, it's been very well received, the ones I've done uh, over the past year. If you want to find out about estate planning and really more find out about what are some of the issues in estate planning that you should be thinking about as uh, an owner of property of any kind, whether it's real estate or bank accounts or brokerage accounts or anything else like that, this would be a good workshop to come to. Um, I'm doing them about every other month now, so it would be at least a couple months more until I do the next workshop. So here's your chance to come in if you would like to attend my workshop. Like I said, it's the grand total cost of free. And uh, and so I urge you to come. I have a, some great stuff to give out at the workshop that you could take home and read and mark up and highlight as much as you want. Um, so hope to see you if you're listening and you sign up. Hope to see you there tomorrow morning. Uh, it's not long, too. Roughly about an hour can go longer with questions, but you don't have to stay all the way through the, the question and answer section if you don't want to. So continuing on with the approach I've taken over four years now here on this show, it's hard to believe, um, I will be continuing with more, I think it's four years, either it's three years or four years. You know what, you're on the air long enough, you lose track of the time. Um, I'm going to continue with the usual format of my show, which is questions and comments on situations that people are facing throughout the state of California. These are actual situations I'm reading about, actual questions that people have asked, actual actual circumstances that they're in. And I find that often they are very, very useful for people to be able to hear and then realize that they're not alone, that their situation may not be as unusual as they think it is, and that there may be people out there that can help. My 88-year-old mom wants to file a quit claim of her property to me. I filed a quit claim years ago to her, but she wants me back on the title. So um, what should we do? Well, you could have this prepared at a title company, a quit claim, but just be aware that because of Proposition 19, you may have to file some additional paperwork um, and, and you may have to file additional paperwork with the assessor. And if it's mom's home and you don't live in mom's home doing something like this, will likely trigger a reassessment of some or all of the property taxes. So don't do something like that without talking with an estate planning attorney first. Find out what the estate, excuse me, what the property tax ramifications would be for doing something like this. 
People do this kind of stuff all the time. They put their kids on the title, take their kids off the title, back and forth, back and forth. That could be disastrous today because of Proposition 19. So my advice to this person is don't do it without consulting with an estate planning attorney first. Now, here's someone that says, um, I'd like to get a copy of my mother's trust from the attorney that created it. I contact her. She told me only the trustee can get a copy of it um, unless she was subpoenaed, which means that there had to have been some kind of a lawsuit filed, really. A person says, I have a strong feeling my nephew modified the trust. The copy he gave me is incomplete, just a look right things put in there that I don't think an attorney would have written um, so uh, but the attorney that represented the person who created the trust can't just hand a copy of the trust over to anybody who wants one the person has to have legal authority to that that's typically the successor trustee and the successor trustee would have a requirement to actually distribute uh, copies of the trust to people named as beneficiaries in the trust and then some other possible people who may not be beneficiaries but are entitled to copies under the law. It's hard to say from this question just what the situation is for this family, but there may be a way to get it, but it may unfortunately actually involve having to go to court and then get a subpoena in a court action um, so that the attorney can provide a copy of that trusted document. We're coming up on the first break of our show today. When we come back, there will be more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman of San Jose. So until uh, we come back after the break, hang on. It'll just be a few minutes. Someone has to pay the bills to keep the lights on at the station. Talk with you then. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with some more questions and comments. I've been reviewing a a list here and seeing ones that might actually um, make sense to talk about on the air. And, And some of them don't. And if I don't, I kind of put them to one side. Okay, Okay. here's one. Does a successor trustee assignment need to be recorded prior to selling California real estate? Housing California is titled as John Doe, trustee of the John Doe Revocable Living Trust, dated whatever the date is. John resigns as trustee, and Jane Doe takes over as successor trustee. Do those documents need to be recorded for the house to then be sold, or is that document review handled as part of the title or escrow process? Well, the answer to that is yes to both. Um, In order for Jane Doe to sell the property, she will appear on the title of the property as the successor trustee. That would typically be done by uh, an affidavit of change of trustee, where in this case, where maybe uh, John resigns as trustee, signs off and has his signature notarized, 
Chain agrees to take over as the trustee. She signs off, has her signature notarized, and now she's on the title as the successor trustee of the property. <clears throat> Absent that, there's no way to transfer the property. Um, and if John has resigned because um, he won't be signing any paperwork, he resigned. Um, so part of the title and escrow is they're going to want to know who has the authority to sell this property. This person resigned. Who's the successor? Okay, let's see documentation that they're the successor and that they've taken over. So that's likely what would have to happen in a case like that. Okay, as surviving spouse of a co-trustee of a revocable living trust, do I have rights to assets of the trust? My wife was co-trustee of a revocable living trust of her mother. My wife died in 2015. Her mom is still alive. Do I have rights as a surviving spouse to assets of my mother-in-law's trust? Now, when you say it out loud, I think you know what the answer is. Of course you don't. It was never your wife's property. She was co-trustee of her mother's trust, which was her mother's property. This sounds to me like a son-in-law that kind of wonders, and this is years later, this is like seven years later, wonders, gee, can I claim some of my mother-in-law's property because my wife was her co-trustee? No. It's kind of a ridiculous question when you stop and think about it. It was never your wife's property. It's your mother-in-law's property. And if she finds out that you even asked a question like this, if she had any intention of ever leaving you anything, that's probably out the window now because um, because it sounds like you want something that you're not entitled to. Um, I always get kind of a bit amused about stuff like that. Okay. My husband started a trust. He changed our deed from joint tenants to tenants in common for his half of the home without my knowledge. Let's pause right there. That means he probably recorded a deed transferring his 50% of the property to himself, thus severing the joint tenancy and creating a tenancy in common. My husband has passed and he left his half of the house to, his, to a daughter. I have a post-nuptial agreement. That means an agreement made in, between a married couple after they got married that says I get the home and the contents plus money for time we've been married. So this sounds like, uh, okay, he wanted to make sure that she was going to stay married to him. So here's the deal. Um, you'll get the house and everything in it. And then every year you're married with me, you'll get some more. Okay. Married 30 years, never given any money to pay bills. He always kept everything private. He was a doctor, made a lot of money. Cashed out all his retirement funds before he died. After this, the trustee came into my home, took everything from the safe and other important items. I have no money to pay bills, and the trust is making me pay all bills or my credit will be damaged. He left me a third of the estate to be distributed after bills and estate expenses are taken out. It's been over a year. You know what? This person needs to go to a trust litigation attorney now 
and challenge that trust. Because this says she gets the house and its contents. That's an enforceable agreement that could be enforced against the husband's trust. It sounds like the trust is, uh, the husband decided, I can do whatever the heck I want. I can ignore this agreement I made with my spouse that she gets the house. And instead, I can take half the house and give it to one of our daughters. Doesn't work that way. But it's going to take going to court to fight about this. I don't do stuff like that. I have attorneys that I refer people to that handle litigation. But this sounds like litigation in the future uh, for this person to actually keep the house. She's entitled to have by contract. There was an agreement. You can't break an agreement unilaterally by transferring title and then giving it to somebody else. It doesn't work that way. Um, So this person really needs to get on it right away. Okay. Is it possible to claim a community property interest in California after signing an interspousal transfer deed? This is out of Anaheim. My sister recently removed my father's name from the title as she and my dad were joint tenants. Okay, my dad was recently passed away without my mother's knowledge. It sounds like mom and dad weren't together anymore. It's hard to tell from this. My dad did not have a living trust or a will. Is it possible for my mom to claim a community property interest even though she signed an interspousal transfer deed 20 years ago to my dad? My sister didn't pay anything and is planning to remove my mom from the house. Oh, this is the house that mom and dad were living in. And it sounds like she transferred all the interest to her husband. Um, there still may be a community property interest, at least a uh, what's called a spousal allowance, because uh, for the simple fact that she's been living there and presumably money from the marriage has been used to maintain that property. Yeah, there may be some rights, but again, this person needs to go see an estate planning litigation attorney right away, lay out the situation and see what community property rights may be able to be asserted, um, even against the daughter. So we're coming up on the mid-show break. When we come back, there will be more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman, broadcasting live from San Jose. I'll talk with you after the mid-show break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to do one more question and comment today and then uh, do a pivot and discuss some other matters uh, in the rest of the show today. Uh, Here's out of Riverside, California. My mother just passed away and my sister was eventually uh, evidently named as the trustee of her trust, which I knew nothing about. Ten years ago, my mother was forced to change her trust because my sister blackmailed her as a condition for my mother living with her and was instructed to never see or speak to me or my daughter for the rest of her life. That was ten years ago, mind. So apparently nothing was done ten years ago. 
My mother agreed at first and stayed with my sister, but shortly after contacted me explaining what had happened and came live with me a short time, then moved out to live on her own back in her hometown. I didn't know that my sister had made her change the trust. The trust that was made says, The undersigned hereby amend said trust as follows. Uh, by removing the trustees provided for in the trust and replacing them instead with the following indicated trustees. Uh, so what happened was the sister was put in my place, which was number two, and I was put in her place, which was number three. Does my sister have sole power to exclude me on all trust decisions? Well, here, that's an interesting question. First of all, if you're put in place after someone else as a successor trustee, then you don't have any authority as a trustee at all uh, unless the person ahead of you either resigns, is removed by a court, becomes incapacitated, or dies. That being said, if you are a beneficiary of the trust, whoever is serving as the trustee actually has a whole series of legal obligations to you as a beneficiary. Uh, at the top of the list is to make sure that they don't do anything that actually causes harm to you as a beneficiary, jeopardizes your inheritance in any way, uh, or takes advantage of you in any way. The sister, by making herself as the trustee, she has all the legal responsibility to handle things properly. And the person who's asking the question is just a beneficiary, but she can kind of sit back and uh, and kind of watch what's happening. And she's the one that would have the right to actually step forward and uh, and say or do something if her sister is not acting in a fair manner or is doing things causing damage to the inheritance or damage to property owned by your mother. So I sometimes tell people, you know, you don't necessarily want to clamor to be the trustee of a trust because it means you have all kinds of legal obligations and you have all kinds of things that can happen to you if you don't follow those legal obligations or decide that you can be uh, a little tin dictator and just decide everything and ignore the wishes and the concerns of siblings, for example, who are mere beneficiaries of the trust. What trustees don't really understand, many don't understand, is they are servants. They're put in charge of a trust to serve the needs of the beneficiaries of the trust, not their own selfish needs, not their own prejudices or their own biases, but the needs of the beneficiaries of the trust. Unfortunately, in the case of families, a lot of time there's a family member who's put in charge and they think that means that they are in charge and can lord everything over the rest of the family who are mere beneficiaries. I will tell you that that kind of attitude is very dangerous and it could end up with that family member acting as trustee, having their share of the inheritance surcharged for losses caused because of their behavior or their actions. They could end up being removed uh, through the courts 
because of their behavior or actions, and that really doesn't go down well. It's not a job that you should just be, you know, gleefully embraced because it's hard work and it has a lot of responsibility. Um, but it, but there are trustees that don't realize that and think that it just means they're in charge. And they can do whatever they want. And that, in fact, is not the case. So we still have some time left in the show today. We still have another break coming up. And I thought I would take this opportunity to talk kind of in general terms about um, special types of work that I do in the court system. I have seen uh, an upsurge in situations where someone has passed away and they have uh, left behind a trust and they left behind one or more assets that they owned not titled in the name of the trust, but instead in their individual names or an account that designated a beneficiary, but the beneficiary had already died and now it gets payable to the person's estate. I'm seeing more and more of that and I'm filing more and more of those petitions in our courts here in the Bay Area. When that happens, if somebody had no estate plan of any kind, well then, clearly something in their name or payable to their estate has to go through the probate code and typically will have to go through a probate process, uh, meaning filing a petition with the probate court and then taking it through the probate court several months and uh, several thousand dollars later until finally it can be distributed out to the people who would inherit from that person. If someone has a trust, one of the major benefits of having a, a revocable living trust is that it can own most of your property and it can provide for the distribution of your property at your death, avoiding the probate process completely. However, if you have things left out of your trust that should have been in your trust or things payable to your trust because there was a failure of beneficiaries on something like a bank account or a brokerage account or a retirement plan, then that may trigger some kind of probate court action being necessary. That could be a probate or if you have some documentation that actually demonstrates written evidence of intent that that asset or those assets be part of your trust, then you may be able to go to court doing what's called a Hegstat petition. That's H-E-G-G-S-T-A-D. You can get a lot more information about Hegstat petitions at one of my dedicated websites, Hegstathelp, all one word, dot com. Um, I suggest if you're facing a situation like that, go to Hegstat Help. I had someone earlier this week contact me and I asked, how did you find me? Well, I live in Washington State, and I started searching for Hegstat, and I found your website, Hegstat Help, and that's why I'm talking to you now. So if you're in a situation like that, consider checking out Hegstat Help. Uh, that website also talks about modifying irrevocable trusts. Uh, I have a website, irrevocabletrustdoctor.com. That's all one word, but it now points 
to hegstadhelp.com. So they're both consolidated on one website. The Hegstad petition gives a way to quickly and efficiently gather in loose assets of someone who died when they had a trust and have sufficient written documentation of their intent that that trust end up the owner of those loose assets. And um, like I said, I do a lot of these. Um, I think I'm probably up to doing at least three or four a month now. Uh, so that's a pretty high number of petitions, court petitions for for Hegstat. Um, but it is something that I'm very skilled at. I'll be very uh, upfront about that. And uh, it's not something that every estate planning attorney does. Uh, some of them might see one Hegstat situation in a um, in their entire career, which means they're not really doing it as a matter of course. Um, I handle a lot of them, and I'm available to assist. And uh, depending on what your circumstances are, I may be able to assist, even if you're uh, in a county or the person died in a county outside of the Bay Area, I still might be able to assist. But um, the Hegstat petition gives a way to quickly and uh, often quickly and efficiently gather assets into a trust without going through the full probate process. It can be very effective. And I've used it to gather in um, large estates and large properties and unusual things, even like thoroughbred racehorses and stuff like that. It gets interesting. Practicing law can be very interesting at times. And I will tell you, just when I think I've seen it all, something comes in through my door and I go, well, I haven't seen that before. And that's after over 40 years practicing law. By the way, uh, the intro for my show says I've been practicing over 30 years. It's actually over 40 years. And I'll let them know to update my intro. Uh, uh, my engineer's hearing this right now, and I'm sure he can pass that on to the to the station manager if I could get my intro updated to say I've been practicing more than 40 years here in the Bay Area. Uh, is that something that could be done? I got an absolutely answer. Great. Okay, that saves me sending an email. <laughs> okay, we're coming up on the third broke of our show today. Thir- third broke? Whoa. I'm tired. It's been a long week third break of our show today and when we come back i'll take it on home with the final segment of plan your estate radio this is attorney bob bergman see you on the other side of the final break today now back to plan your estate radio once again your host estate planning trust and probate law specialist attorney bob bergman hi welcome back I'm taking just a quick second here to send an email to uh, to the station asking them to uh, update my intro to my show to saying I've been in practice over 40 years. I started practicing law in uh, December of 1980, which is um, still kind of amazing to me that I've been around this long. I've been doing it this long. It's... Um, Kind of, kind of uh, astonishing when you think about it. Um, I look at this and I go, um, I've come a long way in over 40 years of practicing law. 
And uh, I know I probably don't have another 40 years in me, but I hope I have another uh, 15 or 20 years in me uh, because I do love what I do. I love working with people. I love helping them out and solving their their estate planning problems and issues, keeping the families out of probate, and if, and if necessary, going to court to uh, both gather in loose assets with a Hegstat petition uh, or go to court and fix a trust, an irrevocable trust that has been broken in some way, either broken when it was created because when it was created, it was not properly drafted and there's ambiguities in it that need to be clarified in some way or else uh, that may have been broken because um, may have been broken because uh, the laws changed and what really was going to work maybe 20 years ago is really not working today. But now now a parent has passed away and there's a surviving spouse and they realize the trust that I'm working with here just really isn't going to do it for me. Sometimes broken because assets are being left to uh, a family member who uh, who was a special needs person or is now a special needs person, and we want to put in a trust to hold those assets um, and do it up front so, because otherwise, if they were to receive that inheritance, it may cause a loss of benefits they're receiving because they're a special needs person. A lot of reasons. Sometimes modifying a trust to put in asset protection planning for the children and the grandchildren. Uh, older trusts really didn't address things like that. More modern trusts do address those. I address that all the time in uh, in the planning that I do. But I, I will say that um, a lot of reasons you can go to court to fix a broken trust. That's why I'm the irrevocable trust doctor, uh, because I repair broken trusts. Um, I don't heal trust, uh, broken trust in relationships. That's not my job. That's not what I do. But I do go to court uh, to modify and fix broken trust. That's another major part of what I do as an attorney. And you can find out more about that aspect of what I do as an attorney by going to hegstadhelp.com because I discuss the irrevocable trust modification petitions that I do there as well. And I can handle those in uh, many counties in the Bay Area, and in some cases, even for matters that, that came from outside of the Bay Area, under certain circumstances, I may be able to assist with those as well. Well, at the beginning of the show, I announced that I do have a workshop tomorrow. And uh, the workshops that I do are not your typical kind of estate planning workshop. I don't get up like I used to for many, many years and go on and talk about living trusts and avoiding probate and and uh, and uh, asset protection planning for heirs and all these kinds of things. I used to do a very, very extensive uh, PowerPoint driven, uh, colorful, informative, educational seminar. And uh, and while that's well and good, I find that uh, pretty much everything that I did in a seminar like that can be found inside the Consumer Guide 
that I have uh, created um, that is available uh, if people want a copy of it. Uh, I provide a copy in my workshop. Instead, the workshop focuses on various issues in estate planning, uh, legal issues in estate planning, where uh, where people aren't quite sure uh, that they are issues or they go, hmm, I never thought of that before. And I have people think about that in the context of the workshop so that by the end of the workshop, we've worked through about 13 or 14 issues and people now have a sense of what's important to them, what's not important at all, and maybe what's kind of like 50-50, eh, you know, somewhat important but not unimportant, somewhere in between. And that can be used as the basis for coming in and meeting with me with a free consultation to talk about how we might be able to work together and help them deal with what they discovered in the workshop. So that's what my workshop's about. It's very different from any other estate planning seminar you'd likely gone to. Um, and it has been very well received. The ones I've done before have been well received by the people who've attended. And of course, a number of people have come in to meet with me and then engaged me to do planning for them because of what they learned in the workshop. So, you can go to lawbob.com, click on Seminars and Workshops, and then you'll find a link there to go and register. I still have some room left for tomorrow morning. But until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Have a great weekend, and hopefully I'll see at least some of you tomorrow morning at my workshop. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.